What a fascinating yet challenging time to be a leader. And in this Leading by Nature series, I interview pioneering leaders from diverse organizations, exploring future fit leadership and organizational development. I'm Giles Hutchins, executive coach, senior advisor and author of many books, the latest being Leading by Nature, which explores the inner nature and outer nature of the organization and the inner and outer nature of the leader as they journey toward regenerative futures. Welcome to the Leading by Nature podcast with myself, Giles Hutchins, and my guest today, Kevin Pujatsik, CEO of Inara Bio, the Oxford-based biotech organization. So welcome. Really lovely to have you here with me today, Kevin, and thank you for being open for this conversation. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Giles. Thanks uh, for having me. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive straight in and start off uh, by opening up a bit about Inara Bio. What's its reason for being? How would you go about describing the organization? Our focus as an organization is the development of novel cancer treatments based on insights to new drug targets. So we're really trying to pursue new frontiers of biology to have an impact for cancer patients. The therapy that we're pursuing is called cell therapy. So this is where we would take the cells from the patient outside of the body, engineer them, uh, and then put them back in. So the immune cells are amped up again to hopefully fight the patient's cancer and, and achieve a durable response uh, for that patient. We're still a research stage company. So we have ambitions to be testing our first product in, in patients in the next couple of years. For us, the aim is, is really to take novel science, turn it into medicines for patients, and in doing so, create value for the organization uh, as we go. This concept of new frontiers of biology, I love that because also I know a bit about your own work. And I would say that there's, you're also exploring the new frontiers of organizational development and leadership, which is what I'm looking forward to exploring with you today. When I talk about developmental journeys, I love the language of you know, creating a psychologically safe yet developmentally challenging environment. So on that edge between creating safety, holding space, allowing people to open and bring more of themselves to work, yet at the same time, encouraging people to be on their learning edge, to push themselves forward, to be out, just out beyond the comfort zone. Not so there's a load of anxiety, but at the same token, there is some form of tension in the system that is enabling people to grow and develop. Can you speak to that, how that kind of works? And you mentioned the signpost. I think the concept, I mean, for me, the heart of this is really about vulnerability and being able to connect and build sort of an ultimate trust with the people around us. And so it's very easy to, I think, overlook the human element and the connection in these organizations. And we've sort of taken the opposite view and saying, you know, well, let's be really intentional. Let's really focus on building those connections from a fundamental place. And in doing so, try to bring out the best uh, from one another. We do that through what you touched on, Giles, right? It is about connection and psychological safety, but also pushing each other and being honest with, hey, you know what? This is what I'm working on. And when you see me behave in a certain way or do a certain thing, I'd really like you to pull me aside and offer me some feedback and help me course correct on what I'm trying to develop in myself. And so that too is a very big part of the culture here, really at all levels and is built on what I like to think is a, a bedrock of psychological safety in the organization. 
as you know, I love to have the shift of seeing the organization as a living system rather than a, a machine. And in that living system is this idea of constantly feeding back relational touch points, connectivity that you talked about. And that is based, as you say, on a culture of trust. Now, feedback's interesting because on the one hand, we all know that when we give and receive feedback, there is a tendency to get a little defensive sometimes if people are giving us some challenging feedback. It's a natural human response. Could you speak to that a little bit about how you maybe have had examples of some challenging feedback with yourself and, and the leadership team across the organization and, and how you go about handling that? The things that I've recognized on my own personal leadership journey is the first maxim, I think it is, of the Temple of Delphi is know thyself, right? And it, it is sort of a fundamental and, and historic truth and a lifelong journey. And I, and I think that's where one has to go to really create that space, create that opening up that you mentioned, Giles, as a place to truly receive feedback as a gift and not just have that be lip service as it often is the case. I think it does help. And you mentioned this as well. Curiosity is one of my core values. It's what's driven me first as a scientist earlier in my career, and then in challenging times and challenging conversations, trying to lean into and draw uh, presence and openness from a desire to be curious about a situation, about the behaviors, about the words, about the feedback does really help and is a useful prompt to remain open and listen and, and take that on board. Within the organization, it's something we talk about which is important, perhaps more importantly, is, is it something we try to role model, monitoring your own behavior, giving timely feedback, um, recognizing others when they've done it, thanking them or rewarding them with recognition um, more broadly. It's something, you know, I think recognition is a big piece of this and sort of creating you know, positive learning loops. I love how you've mentioned Know Thyself. It's a, yes. a key part of my uh, coming book, Leading by Nature. So uh, thanks for mentioning that. And this idea of inner and outer nature. I mean, mention a little bit in the dual purpose of an Ara bio, how part of it is, of course, delivering some real value into science, but it's also about allowing each of us to become better versions of ourselves and this, this journey of life and bringing it into organizations. And, and as you say, on the one hand, that's quite simple, but on the other, that's profound. If, if we enable all of our organizations to do that, we're actually helping provide the very shift in consciousness that we need. And so if we dive into actually what that means, it's right in the heart of our own selves is this noticing, this sensing, responding, as you say, this sort of scanning the organization every day, but also being aware of our own coherence and tuning into that, as you mentioned. You know, some days we're going to have a, you know, we're going to be tired, kids have woken us up, something's happened at home, something's happened in our personal lives, whatever it is. How does one or how do you, are there any methods that you use to help your own coherence and also to help notice when you're not coherent? The bedrock of my, my own coherence um, is, is really around balance and ensuring that I have the various uh, components of my life and, and of my physical well-being uh, in as much balance as possible. And I have to actually say, I think one of the silver linings, if you will, of COVID has been um, a lot less travel. I used to find that Travel in particular would be one of the challenging pieces of, of trying to maintain that coherence. But for me, it's running. Um, I, I spend quite a bit of time outside running, you know, never with headphones, always just trying to be uh, present and enjoy whatever is around me, whatever the weather may be doing. And that's a really, really important part 
of my balance. The reward for me is a deeper sense of happiness, honestly, just a, a well-being, just a calmness that hasn't always been there. And so those are some of the things that, you know, I try to do uh, for myself. And then we have other sort of organizational practices that we try to bring in to create a broader sense of engagement uh, amongst the team. So it's a little micro practices. Yes, we can have our own um, methods around, you know, jogging, good sleep and methods that help create our own coherence. And we have methods within the, the culture uh, for the leadership team, but also uh, the whole process, the values, role modeling, uh, feedback and so forth. But then actually in the day, in flight, during this, this journey that we're on, is these little opportunities to invite in space and moments of reconnection so that we can renew ourselves. It's often something we overlook, don't we? Because there's a certain excitement that comes with being more sort of in the ego, in the achiever mindset, um, you know, back-to-back meetings, making things happen, doing things, and we get quite driven in that. It's easy not to then have those moments of renewal, and yet those moments of renewal are what enable us to reconnect so that we're just more present, we're more aware, we can sense respond, we can notice in-flight stuff better. So we know each other, Kevin, uh, about um, learning from living systems and, and nature. And I know you've been here to Springwood, the woods here, um, a couple of times now, and you've got your leadership team coming here again. Is there anything in particular when coming into the woods, either on your own as a leader or with your team, that you feel helps with this journey that the organization is on? Yeah, for me, I, I, I've always had a connection with nature since since a child, you know, whether it be hiking or did my university years in Colorado in the US and, um, you know, just surrounded by amazing nature. And I think for me, it was always a just a piece to it and a stillness that allows you to just connect in a different way. You sort of then wonder, well, is there something more to it? Is there a, a deeper sense? We have evolved, uh, you know, over the history of humankind and before to live and survive in nature. And that in order to do so, we needed to be sort of calm and in the flow and able to sense danger and sense opportunity and, you know, through that survive and evolve. And I think when you put us then, or you put humans in an artificial environment that's been designed for some other purpose, whether it's a city or an office or, or whatnot, the amount of sensing and cognitive power required to actually just deal with this environment that we're certainly used to, and we've spent a lot of our lives in, but at a deeper level, haven't evolved to be in, I think really does take up a lot of energy. And I think when you're back out in nature, I think some of that connection is the absence of needing to spend all that energy and brain power and, and sensory power to adapt to the environment that we're not used to and just can be again. And so I actually, I, that concept really resonated with me and perhaps explains why uh, maybe at a more fundamental level, uh, nature and, and, and the woods are, are such a profound place for connection. Well, again, you are kindly uh, referring to some of my new book, although you wouldn't know because the book hasn't come out yet, 
Um, look forward so, to reading it. Yeah, so this idea of the extended mind is something I talk about in the book, the, the, the body mind. Um, there's a, a famous neurobiologist that has, has started exploring this. And also this um, capacity of the embodied mind, the extended mind, to tap into the field that um, many scientists have also been exploring. And so without talking about quantum science and complexity, just the very presence I've noticed, you know, because we can sometimes then try and rationalize the experience, but the very experience of people being in nature what i've found is within half an hour with the right process that you know that we go through here people can allow some of their guards some of their protection rackets if you like um, that we've developed in that high environment of lots of intensity and lots of uh, distraction and energy that we need in the office environment to just start easing and so i find that quite quickly especially on this developmental journey, you can get to a point where the leader can start seeing themselves more clearly or can start noticing their own tensions and constrictions and then allow oneself in an environment that feels safer because I often think the reason why we don't feel so safe in, say, uh, a country hotel or, or in the office is that there's lots of other people around us and naturally, if we don't know those people, you know, there's a slight anxiety at a, perhaps a subconscious level whereas when you're in nature and you can see and sense everything around you there is a slight easing that happens and what i've found is that then the leader is more able to start on that developmental inquiry turning the lens of their awareness if you like more inward that into that journey of knowing thyself now in terms of actual springwood and you coming here i remember the first time you came here anything that you that sprung to mind or can you can you recall anything that particularly spoke to you when you came here yeah as you may recall it was a absolutely lovely freezing pouring cold rainy uh, october day which actually in retrospect turned out to be i think probably the best possible thing i mean i think the woods in the rain in the autumn you know always been a favorite time for me uh, and so i just i i mean i remember having to warm up a bit on the walk in but once in there just being able to watch the interaction of, of the whole system, right? The water cycle, the woods itself, uh, heading into winter, uh, discarding of the leaves and, uh, you know, fantastic day. But those are some of the profound memories I have. And then, I, you know, I think, I think when, when we were back there with the team, I'd say two things. One, it was a very different day, um, um, similar time of year, but a sunny day and, and just a, a completely different uh, sensory experience and connection. And we were there together. And, you know, so, so that was great. And I think the other thing that really struck me on both days, actually, and, and maybe goes back back a bit to this concept of the body mind or extended mind, was the power of sitting around a fire in the woods. And again, I think the ability to, at a team level, tell our own individual stories and then our collective story to create a sense of connection, a sense of belonging, is primal in 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 a way and is extremely profound and i think in the course of our everyday running around and as you said in the even if it's a lovely country hotel you're still going to be surrounded by four walls and uh, there'll be a table and there's just convention and you, you don't really get to connect with that and strip away you know conscious or unconscious things holding you back and i think you know really being able to get out there and um sit around a fire and have primary conversations about who we are and how we're connected to each other and what does that mean and then what can we achieve together is uh what well, doesn't really get much better than that um honestly 
key learnings, what would you say now on this journey, uh, and it's a powerful journey you're on, of helping yourself, your leadership team and the organisation essentially become more human and all more connected as well to inner nature and outer nature whilst providing services that help life. I'd invite you to also share a bit about the definition of an AWA bio and how you came up with the name because I think it's powerful. Key learnings for yourself on this journey. I think, and it goes back to this concept of inner nature and leadership coming from within and knowing thyself. I think it's pretty remarkable, although maybe not surprising, once you've been through a bit of the journey to see how much limiting beliefs in each of us hold us back from being our true selves. And these are, you know, just voices in your head that are judging yourself or judging others and and sort of limiting our full capacity to be and, and well-being and happiness and connection. And so trying to understand those better and sense them uh, when they're coming up and then being able to, you know, sort of move beyond them um, has been massively enabling for me. And it's something that as I, you know, start to work with really anybody on our team, I, you know, I think leadership is not, it can and should come from anywhere. And it is about how do you develop awareness in yourself to better serve others. Um, and that can really, you know, should come from anywhere. And I think that the limiting beliefs and, and trying to surface those at an individual level, we've done some work of trying to surface limiting beliefs in the company uh, and then turn those limiting beliefs into positive assumptions and then move from positive assumptions to an ethos, a, a way of being, a, a set of behaviors that we hope you know can bring our values to life but guide us on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'd say that's been a, uh, a big one for me and, and again, sort of part, part of what we try to bring to life through the company. I think the other thing is that it's just, it's also just recognizing that everybody's coming from their own place, right? Their own set of experiences that makes them who they are and their own phase of life. And I think it's, you know, it's important to understand that and respect that and then, you know, meet people where they are and bring them along. Um, and I think in sort of, this isn't something I always get right. I think there are times where I could be very enthusiastic and uh, a bit too far out in front, if you will. And I think you've just got to remember that just connecting with people and then bringing them along and pacing things accordingly and, and not, you know, rushing ahead, recognizing that, you know, it's the journey that matters, not the destination. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, the name of Anara, and it means uh, to shine a light where there is darkness in Arabic. And so it, it actually speaks to our purpose where we're trying to shine a light uh, on areas of new biology that we're pursuing so that one day people may be able to live free from the shadow of cancer. So that that's our purpose. It's on the wall here and very much alive uh, and well in each one of us. And in times of struggle or perceived struggle, it's something we go back to as a calling card both from a science perspective and also from an impact perspective there's a lot there it's a very rich story and i'm uh, as i say it's a real honor to have you here today just as we start finishing i i, I wouldn't mind asking you if we you've nicely brought it back to the organization what came to me when you were talking there is how important it is to meet people where they're at you've talked about patience about balance about empathy all of which are important within yourself and others this notion in nature of diversity being very important for resilience and future fitness and of course hiring um, that diversity on the one hand and this is an again a healthy tension how does one hire in a way that 
isn't creating a problem for the evolution of the company, i.e. hiring people who perhaps aren't open to this kind of developmental challenging approach. On the other hand, hiring in a way that's open and brings in diversity. Is there anything you could speak to around that challenge? It's wonderful to see with the uh, expansion of ESG and more and more companies embracing this and having conversations about diversity, about inclusion, and, and going on their own journeys from a place of, you know, maybe that wasn't great in the past, but, but uh, is, is it heading in the right direction? And at the same time, a lot can just get lost in words and, and isn't really put into practice. And it is something that we pride ourselves on and we really have as a bedrock of our culture of how we hire, how we interview, how we onboard people. And even, I think you touched on it, how we offboard people. There's a um, tendency to not talk about these things, right? To, to have all of that live in the shadows. And it's something I talk about regularly and say, look, it, it, you know, people will join us and hopefully you know, they'll join us for a while, but may realize themselves or the organization may move on and realize that the fit isn't what it once was. And that shouldn't, no one should be ashamed of that. It should be part of the conversation. And, and our commitment is always that as people transition out beyond Inara, we will fully support them in finding their next role, whatever it is that's driving that move. So, I mean, a few things that we've done, I mean, I think that we, as a technical organization, so an organization of scientists and, and clinicians and others, um, you know, obviously there is a, a high premium on experience and conventional content knowledge. And at the same time, you know, we really look for mindset and look to see how do people describe themselves, describe what they've done, describe what they want to do next, describe the type of environment that they want to be in and, and respond to being asked about failures or mistakes and how can they reflect on those and come back with the lessons that they've learned. And so we have on, as part of a hiring process is, is, is people on interview panels looking exclusively for um, that and, and, and mindset uh, as, as a key component here. You know, we and you know, we've grown rapidly. We've, we've probably more than doubled in size in the last year, and and so we've really tried to bring in great resources to the company. Our, our head of HR, culture, and people, Soraya Senior, is is brilliant and is the one of the key guardians of our culture and the in our expedition, and has just done an amazing job of guiding the organization through the hiring and onboarding of talent. And then we're also, you know, we work with. Um, uh, one recruiting firm in particular, having tried many, Northreach Consulting, who are, are an extension of our company now. Uh, and we said, look, you guys understand us, you get us as people. And because of that, you're able to find us great candidates. Um, and so let's embrace that and have you be an extension of our company and be a ambassador for us in in, in that environment. So, you know, that's the approach we, 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 we take. And, and I think there's also a recognition that you're not always going to get it right. And that normally when you don't get it right, it's not right for the company, but it's not, it's also not right for that person. Um, and so I think just, again, a recognition that um, that's okay. And that you can have a conversation about that and you can support each other through those transitions uh, as well, versus having it linger or having it be, you know, something that shall not be talked about or, or anything like that. So anyway, a few, that's, those are the few, a few of the things that we've done and do to, to try to create and maintain that diversity and, and, you know, look for people who not just will fit in, but will, will help sort of take us to the next level as we evolve as a company. 
Thank you, Kevin. You've covered a broad amount and uh, in depth as well. So there's a lot here. You know, you've mentioned the importance of balance, of, of patience, of empathy, of meeting people where they're at. I sense in, the, in a lot of this, there's, there's the capacity for humility of almost noticing oneself, uh, what's around one and keeping oneself grounded. The origin of the word humility coming obviously from humus, the, the earth. On that note, are there any particular tips that you would like to maybe or share from your journey on this developmental leadership journey that might help other leaders? One of the things that springs to mind is finding other sources of inspiration to bring to bear on on my own development and leadership. I've been doing biotech for the better part of 20 years and I'm fortunate to have a great network and lots of friends in the industry and increasingly just and enjoy all of those relationships and conversations and, and, and pull on them often. But I've also more recently been focused on just other channels, other people doing other things who inspire me and who I can learn from and who I can have great conversations with, yourself included, Giles. And I think from that, it pushes me. It gets me out of my comfort zone. It helps me think differently about myself and the world and, and then how I turn up at Anara. And I think that's really been um, something I've not only really enjoyed, but uh, have started to do more of. Um, and, and, you know, I think maybe I just stumbled upon it by happenstance, but increasingly um, seek it out. So I think that's a tip. And, and I guess the other one is that the difference between really living a lot of this and, and, and talking about it. And, and at times I am in conversation with people and feel like, you know, people talk about culture, they talk about purpose. And I think that's great. It's not to dismiss that. Yet, I'd love to see more people really connect with it and have it come from within. And for me, I think that is, as I said before, you know, it's nicely aligned with my purpose. And I think it's really a huge opportunity for all of us, for society to really treat each other better, treat each other better at work, care, look after each other, support each other, push each other as a fundamental way of being and not as an afterthought or, or as just a, you know, sort of words on a page. So because I've benefited from it, just going beyond the surface and really digging in and, and trying to understand what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? How can I bring this to life? How can you bring it to life? in your own way, in a profound way that, you know, will have a tremendous impact on those around you. And then, you know, equally a tremendous impact on myself and yourself. So, I, you know, I think that's another, don't be afraid to dig deep, I would say, because it's a, it can be an arduous journey, but the benefits are massive, um, really in all dimensions. And after all, what's life all about? It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much, Kevin, for all of that sharing. We've gone into the depth of things in many ways, you are uh, an exemplar for this regenerative journey, this regenerative leadership journey that looks at both the inner nature of ourselves and the outer nature, uh, and also the inner nature of our cultures and the outer nature of the organisation, how it shows up in the world. I'd like to also acknowledge the fact that um, I was connected to you through your executive coach, Sarah Morris of, of Parallax, who I have mm -hmm. the real pleasure of working with and she's um, uh, be coming over here with you and your leadership team soon and um, um, we, so we'll be being a real honour to work with Sarah as well over the years so thank you so much Kevin for your time today 
For more on Leading by Nature, you can follow me, Giles Hutchins, on LinkedIn and visit gileshutchins.com for free downloads of tools and practices for regenerative leadership and future fit business. Also, watch out for my latest book, Leading by Nature, The Process of Becoming a Regenerative Leader.